And my next guest is Mark Schaffline. We're here at the Reawaken Tour. Uh, yes, we're in California, Tulare, I believe is how it sounds. It's actually very, very cold here in California, which is kind of strange. But how are you doing? Courtney, thank you for having me on your show today. I'm doing fantastic. What a great conference this has been. So many great conservatives, like-minded people, great Americans, and a lot of patriots here. It's yeah. been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So, were you always a conservative, or? Oh yes. Yes. Oh yes. I. Okay. My background is, I, I run a private equity firm. I have for the last twenty-three years, but I've been a conservative my whole life. I believe in conservative principles. I believe that the government should live within its budget. I believe we should have a sovereign border. That the country is. If you don't have a sovereign border, you lose your identity. Now, I'm all for legal immigration, but the way our country is right now, Courtney, it's anything but conservative. I believe that we should take care of those that can't take care of themselves to a limit. Like, conservatives have a heart, as most people don't realize. <laughs> and the other thing, Courtney, I think I go back to Ronald Reagan's days. You know, Ronald Reagan was compassionate, but he was also strong. And I believe the United States is a world leader. We have the resources. We have the population. We have a great country. And we didn't become a great country by liberal theology. <laughs> so I am a hard, I'm a rock solid conservative. And I would characterize myself, you know, as a center right type person. I believe that people should, we, we as conservatives, think about this, Courtney. We never tell liberals how to act. We don't cancel liberals. I mean, we may disagree with them, but we don't cancel them. And so I believe that if you have solid conservative economics, you do right for your country, you have a secure country, I think those are conservative principles that I support. Yeah, where where do you see things going? You, you talked about conservative... Uh principles, staying within budget, the conservative economics, we're very far from that right now. And it, it, it doesn't really look like it's even a, a, you know, conservative versus, I wouldn't say liberal, I would say like, you know, leftist, really. Yes. Um, but it doesn't even look like that's what we're up again, because really right now it's, it looks like a, a worldwide fascist, techno-fascist kind of takeover. Well, think about this, Corey. Yeah. We have... $34 trillion of debt. $34 trillion in this country. Every year that Joe Biden has been president has been a $2 trillion deficit. So people, you know, here's the thing, Courtney. A lot of Americans are not feeling this economy right now. Yeah. And a lot of people say to me, Mark, why is it that we have relatively low unemployment, 3.7%. We have an economy that's growing about 2.5%. Pretty good. Those are pretty good statistics. Sure. But why does Joe Biden, upside down, where only 30% of the American people believe he's doing a good job on the economy, and 70% think he's doing a bad job? Here's the answer, folks. That wealth creation is going to the top 10 or 15% of Americans. The vast majority are not. And if you think about this for a minute, Courtney, 
we came from a position when Donald Trump was president. Yeah. We had two to three dollar gasoline. They missed those. <laughs> we had an economy that was growing in some cases over three percent. Sure. We had low unemployment, wages were rising. Yeah. And yet the okay, the pandemic hit. Now, the Federal Reserve blooded the yeah. banking system with money. Right. I get it. Okay. You know, when you literally shut down an economy, you have to do something. So that was the case where I didn't fault the government for putting money out there because basically they shut down businesses. But as the pandemic waned, Joe Biden and the Democrats are continuing to flood us with $2 trillion budget deficits. And if you think about that, why is our economy even growing? It's because the federal government is spending $2 trillion more than we're taking in. So, Courtney, we are not on sound economic footing. No. <laughs> not, not by any stretch of the imagination. And a lot of that debt is continuing to accumulate. We have a situation right now where interest rates peaked two months ago, where the 10-year note hit a little bit above 5%. It's come down 100 basis points. So that's better for us. But the problem is, is that debt continues to grow. We have an economy fueled by debt. And in the long term, that's not a good thing. No. <laughs> Who benefits most from that? China. Ooh. So while, again, the Biden administration touts these great economic numbers, 80 to 85% of the American people aren't feeling it. And, and Courtney, let me give you an example. And then when young people, you've heard the polls where young people are now moving away from President Biden. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a pretty good reason to say why. If you ask a young person, are you better off now than you were four years ago? The likely answer you're going to get is no. Right. Why is that? Because young people now, you know, it used to be a motto, get a job, mm -hmm. save some money buy a house, have some kids, lead a nice life. Sure. If you're in your 20s right now, say you're 20 to 30 years old, any chance you can save the amount of money needed to buy a house? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so either. So when you're a younger voter, and you know the Biden administration, the Democrats always tout, well, we're, we're the party of the young voters. Right. That support is eroding. So if we think about this, if you can't save the money to buy a house and real estate prices are escalating and interest rates right now about 7% to get a loan, well, no wonder Joe Biden's upside down 40 points on the economy. And so, Courtney, this is having a major political impact. Sure. Take a look at these polls that we have right now. And folks, again, when you go to vote, make sure you vote. Don't, don't just believe the polls. But right now, the polling accuracies Courtney, in the top eight swing states, let's assume for argument's sake that Donald Trump is the nominee because he's winning by 30 to 50 points. And again, we like Ron DeSantis. We like Nikki Haley. We like Vivek Ramaswamy. We like any conservative. But Donald Trump's leading by 30 to 50. And unless something changes, he's the likely nominee. So he is getting a boost from young people. He's getting a boost from African-American voters. Because when you say whether you were better off now or four years ago, 
It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It matters what's in your pocketbook. And Courtney, when you when you're sitting there and you can't do the things that you could do under President Trump, and people look at the current president and going back to these swing states, President Trump's up anywhere from two to nine points. Courtney. The states where he's up over four, that's outside the margin of error. So we're looking at a situation here, and I'm sort of connecting a lot of dots here. We're talking economics, politics. But when you think about it, the administration is trying to, quote, talk about all the goodies that they do. But it's not filtering to that 80, 85% Americans. So I think what's happening is those voters are saying, I'm not better off now than I was four years ago. Yeah, there's some stuff about Donald Trump I don't like. Yeah, he's a little boisterous. I don't like his mannerisms. I don't like the way he talks. But you know what I do like? I like how my economic situation was under Donald Trump. I definitely miss the gas prices, that's for sure. And coming out to California, they, I, I remember, I mean, not as high as it was. When I right before I left, but it's it's pretty high compared to where I am now. So you mean you don't like paying five to five fifty a gallon? No, I mean I think before I left, it was getting in the sevens, so it was pretty crazy. Yeah. Earlier this year. Yeah. I paid seven dollars a gallon. It's insane, truly insane. What are your thoughts on the? Sorry, the dollar, and you know, I like with bricks coming on, with them being backed by gold, with the CBDC being pushed. Yeah, let's talk let's talk about the dollar a little bit. You know, generally speaking, when countries inflate their currency, that currency weakens. But what's happened on a global basis, everybody's inflated their currency. So it's sort of like the best house in a bad neighborhood. Right. So we have a situation here now, and I don't want to get too wonky on it, but over the course of when we had the pandemic. The Federal Reserve had a $3 trillion balance sheet. It fluctuated 3 to $3.5 trillion. Under Joe Biden, and again, I'm not going to exclude Donald Trump, but his was the last year of a pandemic. The government had to flood money into the system. But under Joe Biden, we've had three consecutive $2 trillion budget deficits. So if you take three, add in $6 trillion from Biden, You've got a $9 trillion. Where did that money come from? It's sitting on the Federal Reserve balance sheet. What the Federal Reserve did, they expanded their balance sheet from three and a half to $9 trillion. And what happened was that fueled this massive inflation run that we had. I mean, did anyone like having their goods and services go up 9% of one year? That's crazy. Crazy. And then... You know, and not sustainable. I mean, if it keeps increasing at that rate, that's exactly right. Now, those budget the, that that inflation figure came down last month on an annual basis to three point one. Okay. So here's the problem I have with that: the mainstream media tries to make you feel better about three point one percent inflation, all because it's better than nine, right? And they try to give Biden some credit for it. You and I both know. That's not true. Because here's what's happening. I know your viewers and listeners can feel this. You go through where you had 9% inflation, Courtney. 
And that was followed by six months of 5% inflation. And now we're at 3.1. I had that together, 9, 5, 14, at 3. From the last two years, it cost about 15 to 17% more than a couple of years ago. Well, who can feel good about that? Now, here's another thing that's going on. In this country, when Donald Trump was president, remember the old saying, drill, baby, drill? We had an abundant, we were, our country was so energy independent, we were exporting oil. Well, guess what? We exported some of that oil and natural gas to Europe. Europe would pay for it and the dollar would get better. Sure. What's happening right now? Europe is buying their oil and their gas from Russia. And we're sitting here with Ukraine debating $60 billion. Heck, why aren't we selling you at the oil and gas instead of making them pay the Russians for it? Right. So, anyhow, you asked about the dollar. Yep. You know, the dollar's been pretty strong lately. Okay. But the unique thing is happening. As interest rates peaked around, the 10-year note was about 5.1% about 60 days ago. Now it's down just under 4. So we've come down 110 basis points over the last 60 days. Well, what's happened with that? That's fueled a wild rally on Wall Street. The Dow Jones Industrial Average hits an all-time high. Yeah. The S&P 500 is with a whisper of an all-time high. And what happens? 65% of these S&P 500 companies, they get those sales from overseas. So think about this. If the dollar weakens a little bit from its current levels, yeah. which could happen, right? then that's going to be greater profits for the S&P 500. Yeah. And it could result, it hasn't happened yet, but oil prices could head back up. We're enjoying relatively cheap oil right now, Courtney. Crazy. It's crazy. But oil's hovering around $67, $68 a barrel right, right now. Remember earlier this year when it spiked above 90? Well, we certainly don't want to think about this. We're going into an election here. Yeah. Do you think Joe Biden and the Democrats want to see people paying $5 a gallon across the country? I don't or, think so. But what I, I'm curious about, uh, I, it looks like they'll try and manipulate things a little bit going into the election. That that seems like a likely kind of... A little uh, bit? Yeah. A li I, I'm being generous. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm actually really concerned about just the state of the dollar in general, the petrodollar, the, uh, what's going to happen with the CBDCs and it, you know, if that's going to affect the market or the ability to use cash at all. Well, there's a lot of concern about that right yeah. now. I, I think that the Biden administration and their reelection efforts, they're not going to do anything to quote, scare the American people. So I believe a lot of talk about replacing the dollar, the digital currencies, that may happen. But it's going to till after. I don't think about this, Courtney. A lot of Americans would be fearful of that. Sure. If you're a Democrat and you're in the media, do you really want to scare the American people into that? Uh, you don't think so. So what I do believe they're going to do, they'll do everything they can to keep oil prices down. Right. But you would, now think about this a minute. When I say that, they're doing just the opposite. 
I mean, it's insane what they're doing. And I don't need to talk about things happening in the past, like no Keystone Pipeline. You know, we have more oil and gas in Alaska than Saudi Arabia. Folks, the United States has more oil and natural gas than any country in the world. And yet, what does the Biden administration do? They go to Alaska, Anwar. Millions of acres. Nobody lives there. There's a bunch of caribou and reindeer, and it's cold and unhospitable. They take basically a third of Alaska and say you can't drill there. Whereas under Donald Trump, he allowed oil companies to bid on that and move forward in a safe way to drill. So what do we do as a country? You know, we've got John Kerry, the great climate czar out there. You know, they're trying to close down our coal plants. They're trying to shame and litigate against the oil companies. Hell, the Biden administration is even telling us don't burn gas stoves. Yeah. I mean, gas stoves, the next is going to be the electric cars. Right. They want all electric cars. And people don't want to buy these cars. I know. Ford and GM have more electric cars sitting on their lots right now. Yeah. And they can't sell them. So my point is this. The Biden administration will tell us they want lower gas prices. And when prices were high, what did you hear? Oh, these oil companies are gouging the American right. Why? Oil's a global commodity. And think about this, Courtney. Oil's trading $67, $68 a barrel. I believe the reason it's trading there is because demand for oil is falling on a global basis. Why do I say that? China's economy has some big-time problems. They've overbuilt. They, folks, China has cities. Literally, we talk about real estate in this country where we have some cities where commercial real estate, excess supply, while in the residential market. China's got thousands, thousands of condominiums. Right. 20, 30, 40, 50-story Nobody lives in Right. And so, so China's built all this excess capacity. Their unemployment rate for people under the age of 25 is approaching 20%. So if you have demand falling in China yeah. and you have a slowdown here in the United States, a lot of people are saying, well, we could have, you know, we could slow it down a little bit here. Sure. Companies, you start to see trickles of layoffs coming, but not wholesale. Well, I believe that's because demand for oil is slowing down. Because if demand slows, then oil prices can come down. And in a sort of a perverted way, that will help the Biden administration on the inflation fighting front. So the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, a lot of people criticize the Fed. Yeah. A lot. But you know what? I think with a, a lot of merit, but... <laughs> a lot of merit. You know, with the, but bear in mind, look at the hand they were dealt with. The Fed was dealt a hand to where the inflation, as a result of deficit spending and by the Biden administration, $2 trillion a year, all of a sudden... There's a lot of money out there. Well, what's the definition of inflation? Too much money chasing too few goods. That's what we had. Yeah. So now all of a sudden the inflation rate is still too high. I mean, to give you an idea, Courtney, the Fed's target's 2%. Okay. Right. If you're at 3.1, you're still 50% above the target. And 
Think about this, folks. If you have 3% inflation over a course of a term of a president, that's three on top of three on top of three on top of three on a compounded basis. That's 14 to 15% inflation. Guess what? Our paychecks going up 14, 15%? No. <laughs> Not generally. Now, some recent contracts of government workers in certain cities, yeah. airline pilots, some people are getting massive increases. Think about this. The United Auto Workers, they just signed a three-year contract with a 26% pay increase. That's pretty significant. Yeah, that's definitely. But what's going to happen is automobile companies try to raise the price on vehicles. And like we're seeing with the electric cars, they raise it too high. Demand's going to fall off. Right. And that can lead to problems. So the Biden administration is really painting themselves into a quarter here. They're saying, we want lower oil prices. But we're, we don't want natural gas, which, folks, the United States has so what We have hundreds of years of natural gas at our disposal. Yeah. We have more oil than Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. And we have an abundance of coal. And look what's happening. John Kerry's campaigning all across the globe. Wow, you know, we're a polluter. We need to shut down the coal plants. You know, we need to stop natural gas. We need to stop oil. It's kind of sitting there saying, you do that, you're not only going to have an economy fall off a cliff, right. you're going to have depression scale economics. Yeah. And you, you know, the Chinese, Courtney, they're building, building two coal fired power plants every month. Wow. So I didn't think know about that. this, folks. In China, in the course of one year, they're going to build 24, 25 coal-fired coal fired power plants. Wow. And yet we're being lectured by John Kerry and the Biden administration about how bad we are. No. no. China is by far the world's largest polluter. And you know what they say? Well, China's a developing country. You know, they need more time. You know. Aren't you tired? It's pretty developed to me. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, you yeah. get tired of being labeled, you know, that you're the bad guy when all you're doing is trying to feed your family, no. protect your family, raise your kids, be a good citizen. I mean, man, I get ticked off at it at times. You know, I, right. you know, these liberals in the Biden administration, they make you feel like you're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. We're not the bad guy. No. No. Definitely not the bad guy. We're hardworking Americans. We follow a creed. We believe in God. We go to church and synagogue, whatever our religious belief is. We try to lead our lives and support our families. And yet, the Biden administration, they try to castigate us for doing that. Oh, these conservatives, these MAGA people. You know, they try to make MAGA sound like a dirty word. I got news for you. There's a lot of, at this conference, there's a lot of proud patriotic Americans that identify themselves as conservatives, and they proudly wear the MAGA label. Why do they do that? Because they're hardworking patriotic Americans, and they believe in this country. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen with the election? Do you think there, do you think there will be an election? Do you think there's going to be... A lot of fraud, do you think? Well, I, I, I'll share my good friend with Mike Liddell has said, yes, okay. we are going to have an election. I firmly believe that. Okay. And unfortunately, I mean, I think the Democrats are going to nominate Joe Biden. Again, I'm not one to give Democrats advice, but they think about this. 
do you really want to nominate Joe Biden, an 81-year-old cognitively disadvantaged? Look, I try to not disrespect the presidency and the president. You know, whether I agree or disagree, right. he's my president too. But Courtney, he doesn't exactly give confidence when he stands up at that podium. No. I mean, it doesn't happen. So I believe what's going to happen. We are going to have an election. I firmly believe that. I believe, you know, as what your previous guest, Mike Lindell, talked about, you know, there are going to be voting irregularities. It happens. It happens in every election. But I think the Republicans this time, what's the old saying? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I think Republicans will be prepared in this election. I know, you know, there's a campaign going on for the paper ballots. And we'll win some of those battles, we'll lose some. But I think there's a, an awareness now that when we have an election, people are going to vote. They're going to get their friends out. Look at what we've heard at this conference from General Mike Flynn to Mike Riddell to all the other great speakers we've had. Get out there. Bring your neighbors. Go out, work at the polls. Donate money to candidates. Support people that support your values. And go out and bring people to the polls. I think there's going to be a concerted effort to level the playing field. Look, we already know Democrats cheat. Okay. Sure. They do it all the time. And Republicans, we like to view ourselves as honest brokers. And I'm not advocating we do anything other than that. But I think the awareness about what happened in 2020, I think people are going to say, okay, you fooled me once. You're not going to fool me again. So what I think is going to happen from that? I think there will be a record of turnout in the 2024 election. I know it's going to hey. that's going to shock a lot. Well, I, I will just say it's a little shocking to me because I'm seeing a huge movement, and particularly I see it coming from like my generation and the millennials. And it's a big movement not to vote. They feel like it's too corrupt. There's no hope, and they want to opt out of the system altogether. Get I'm not advocating this, but I'm seeing a lot of traction in the. And you know what? You're right about that. Yeah. And I agree with you on that. And I've heard reports about younger people are disenfranchised. Yeah. But you know what? I hear that a lot. Okay. And I went back and I looked at sort of the voting patterns of previous elections. I believe come 2024 that there's going to be a massive turnout because I think... We're going to have some problems in 20. You don't think they're going to try another, they're talking about white lung now. You, I think we're, we're seeing a lot of like riots that look like BLM, but now they're pro-Palestine riots. Like, oh, oh yeah. so, I'm going to come back to that. Okay. I'm going to, oh boy, you want me to stop. Okay. You hit a hot button there and I'm going to okay. talk about that. <laughs> but here's what I think is going to happen in election. I encourage all our viewers and listeners, get your friends to the polls. Get out, make sure you vote. Let's not get surprised by what happened in 2020. So I think we will have high turnout. I said record. I could be wrong about that, but I think I'm going to be right because I think things are going to get difficult in the country. Now, you and I know the Democrats are going to pull out all stops. Yeah. But I think what's happening, the identity politics that the Democrats play that game, I think that's going to backfire on and I think conservatives, motivated by the fact that, you know, you hear them said all the time, this is the most important election in our lifetime. People believe it this time. They have yes. seen three years of Joe Biden 
they say, we cannot have four more years of this. We cannot have four more years of open borders. We cannot have four more years of wars around the world. We can't have four more years of this demonization of sexes, of gender, of, of having young people not even know what their, what their gender is. I mean, we can't have this stuff. And I think that's going to motivate conservatives to vote. And I believe this, too. I think the Democratic Party has taken the identity politics too far. Courtney, I think, for example, African-Americans, it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. If your economics are not, if you can't say I'm better off now than four years ago, does it really matter whether you're white, brown, black, Hispanic? Not in my book, it doesn't. And that cuts across all races. Same thing on genders. Does it really matter whether you're states, whether you're straight, gay, trans, whatever? You feel the same economics as somebody else does. And despite the gender and, and despite the identity politics practice of Democrats, folks, 75% of people, Courtney, will vote their pocketbook. And I know the Democrats are going to come this fall. You're going to see a, the big issue. They're going to be labeling Republicans. Oh, they, they are, they're abortion. They're this, they're that. You and I know, though, that people will say, am I better off now than I was four years ago? And I think the Republican candidate, it's Donald Trump, he's going to get a greater percentage of the African-American vote. I think Donald Trump's going to get a significantly higher percentage of the youth vote. Mm -hmm. I believe that's going to happen because of the problems young people, they can't buy a house. I, I know, I know. And I think what's going to happen, okay, look at the, look, don't ever rest on the polls. Look at the polling right now. It shows Donald Trump in the swing states up, Courtney, anywhere from two to nine points. Now, when you're up over four, you're beyond the margin of error. And folks, if any Democrat out there has done it, we're not worried about it. We've seen it before. Barack Obama was fine. No, he wasn't. He wasn't behind by these numbers. And for now, on a national basis, you know, we don't have a national election. We have 50 state elections. Right. Trump, we are 50 United States. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and Donald Trump, if, if you just put national polling, he's up about five points nationally. And if you're the Democrats, we already know they're going to play. They're going to play the race card. They're going to play the abortion card. They're going to play pit identity politics against people. They're going to get the environmental wackos to vote for them. You know, we know all that's going to happen. But we also know people are yearning for what I call the good old days. And again, I go back to what I said. A lot of people say, God, I, Trump, he's, oh, I can't stand him on this. He's boisterous. He's this. I'm not talking this crowd. This crowd loves Donald Trump. I'm talking certain independent voters, center-right Republicans. They, they, they don't necessarily have the president's mannerisms, but... When asked, well, how are you economically with Donald Trump? Wow, I was pretty good. Well, I think I would agree with that. But I think there are a lot of people, you know, even on the, the quote unquote right, you know, I, I think a lot of the, there's a lot of a false dialectic that's being played. So I hesitate to use those terms. But I think the people who would identify themselves as being on the center right or, you know, the right side of the, the spectrum, who may have even voted for Trump and really liked Trump are feeling a little bit birched because of Operation Warp Speed 
Um, you know, lots of other things, but I think that's a big one. Yeah. You know, there, there's many things that, you know, I myself, like Trump, I, I think he did a lot of great things. Um, but that's something, you know, for me personally, that's pretty hard to get past, right? Because I see where they're going with all of that. I see how many people, at the, you can you can feign ignorance at one point, but up until till when can you continue that? At some point, and he had refused to acknowledge it, apologize for it. It's almost like he's gone the other way, dug his heels further. And I know people will say, well, he didn't mandate it. He said, you have a choice, but he still pushed it. And, uh, you know, definitely. There are a lot of people on the right who took it because of him, you know, and I don't fault him for that. We, I would think that we should make our own choices. And that's one of the beautiful things about this country is that theoretically the Constitution offers us the ability to have free will, you know, to protect those rights, to be able to make our choices and have medical freedom. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of people still... You know, they, they defer to the experts or to the leaders. And a lot of people will tell you that, you know, Trump supported it. He created the the vaccine. He was Mr. Vaccine guy. So, well, yeah, let me give a point counterpoint argument okay. to what you're talking about. And let's talk about this, folks. It's not just going to be an election with Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Now, again, yeah. we're not discounting full disclosure here. No. We're not discounting Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy. Those are good Republicans, folks. And again, you're never going to hear me. I'm in the Ronald Reagan camp. Thou shall not speak ill about a fellow Republican. I know Trump does all the time. I disagree with him on that. I'm in the camp. Any one of those four is better than Joe Biden or any Democrat. Right. I believe that. And I, But I'm a realist. I also see President Trump up 30 to 50 points. Now, I know a little bit about polling. 30 to 50. That's a check. It's a lot. It's high. Yeah. So, but let's talk about this and address okay. your points. You're going to have Joe Biden right now as the Democratic nominee. Right. The presumptive nominee, we'll yeah. call him. Let's call Donald Trump the presumptive Republican. Right. Although I'm not, again, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis are within, they're not within striking distance, but they're in the game still. Okay. And again, no votes have been cast. So let's not you and I be judgmental sure, before huh? Americans have a chance to vote. Right. But let's throw in the names Robert F. Kennedy. He's polling around 16%, right? Uh, yeah, I know. Let's throw in the name Cordell West, a radical liberal. He's not going to pull votes from Donald Trump. He's polling about 2 or 3%. Yeah. I mean, that shows you folks how many whacked out liberals there are in this country. Then, uh, make no pun, Jill Stein. She's going to be running. She's announced the camp. She's polling at 2%. Wow. So Cornel West is polling at 2 Jill Stein's polling at 2 Right. Kennedy's polling at 14 15%. Yeah. That's 20% of the electorate. Okay. So in a five-way matchup, Donald Trump is still leading by six to seven points over Joe Biden. It's like 37-31. Right. And I, I'm going to share this with you. I'm like, a little history lesson here. Okay. Courtney, let's go back to the 2000 election. George Bush, Al Gore. Yeah, yeah. I happened to be in Palm Beach County because that's the county where I live. And, yeah. And I voted in Palm Beach County in the year 2000. Okay. Pat Buchanan, 
very, very, very conservative Republican, uh-huh. happened to also be on the ballot. Uh-huh. Well, as it turned out, a lot of liberal Democrats back then in Palm Beach County, it was it was a deep blue county. Remember the old hanging chads that came down of the 2000 election? I do. Well, a lot of liberal Democrats voted for Matthew Cannon. So I bring this up as a history lesson. We won, George Bush won Florida by 538 votes. That's how tight elections can be. And had a lot of those liberal Democrats not voted mistakenly for Pat Buchanan, we could have had President Al Gore. Why don't I bring up the history lesson? Think about the 2020 election, Cordy. And what, wasn't there where they did the recount? They did the oh, recount, recount after recount after recount until the Supreme Court in 2000 finally stopped the recount. And the Supreme Court actually awarded George W. Bush the presidency. Yeah. Because they were challenging it. So, again, that's another subject. When people say, oh, you know, Donald Trump contested the election. We never have contested elections. Oh. We had contested elections in the 1800s. <laughs> we had a contested election when Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I mean, do you think the Democrats has accepted it? Do you remember when they were on the Capitol, when Donald Trump was inaugurated, and you had all those parades going on, and all these people were saying, not my president, not my president. And, you know, I heard one of the speakers here, and I think he's right, say, you know, they started the impeachment of Donald Trump 12 hours after Hillary Clinton uh, uh, conceded the election. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the reason? Well, you know, we're sort of talking about history last year. Why is this important? Think about the 2020 election. Okay, eight states combine less than 20,000 votes. Right. In eight, again, let's assume for the sake of this discussion, I know a lot of people don't believe it, but let's assume, because that, as Mike Lindell says, that train's left the station. Okay. Let's assume that Joe Biden was elected president because he's been there for three years. Okay. Okay. We'll, we, we'll, we won't argue that point, but the point we're making here is, 20,000 votes in the 2020 election in eight states swung the election to Joe Biden. So we're talking about the narrowest of narrow margins here. I'm thinking back even to 2004 Mm -hmm. when George W. Bush uh, defeated John Kerry. What, he win by 1%? It was very, very, very close. So in the United States, we have a divided country. We have close elections. I think, though, in 2024, if these court, if this polling holds up, we're going to see President Donald Trump second. If this polling hangs up. Now, I want to go back and address your point. Uh-huh. Through that long history lesson there and talking about the polling. Right. And talking about how, why these elections matter. Why every vote counts. And why, think about what we're doing. And I'm going to come back to your point. So don't, don't let me okay. forget this. Yeah. Democrats, they ballot harvesting. They did yeah. a science. Well, in California, it's actually legal to ballot harvest. Oh, it is legal. Yeah. Well, Republicans have learned their lessons. You know, we're starting to, one thing that Democrats are really good at is exploiting the rules, but making it work. Yeah. And our side was all, no, 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 we're not going to do that. No, 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 no. Well, sure. better, you know, the head of the Republican National Committee, Ron McDaniel, says, we're going to do everything we can. Okay, so that sums all there. Now, let me come back to your point. Okay. You had concern over President Trump 
the vax, that whole situation. Sure. All right. Let me pose this, and I pose this to every Republican that's wavering through, ah, I don't like what he did. He did this. Just, I'm going to take them one by one. Right. Would you rather, and let's exclude Cornell West, Jill Stein. There's no chance they're going to be elected. Robert F. Kennedy, he had some pretty aggressive positions on a lot of issues. Sure. Okay. Do you think Donald Trump is going to be less on the vaccine issue than Joe Biden? Let's say something else happened. I mean, people say, I can't vote for Trump. He really forced me into this. Well, Joe Biden has taken it to 10 times that level. Sure. I mean... Can you believe there's certain parts of this country, even now, where they have cities that they're reinstating, reinst- reinstating mass man? I know. It's crazy. I mean, can you believe? I'm in, and I won't name the city, but right. I travel around the country a lot. And I was recently in a city, open air, and I saw some clown walking around with a, and I'm saying, what the hell is this guy doing? He's there's a lot of it. It's, it's not, not that uncommon. Yeah. I'm seeing he's outside in the fresh air and this clown's walking around in a mask. And I'm going, even okay. now, what if this is three years later, it's crazy. And we know, I mean, they suppressed it at the time. It was very like difficult for me because I kept saying the masks not only don't help, but they do harm. And I, you know, I kept getting censored and silenced and castigated. I mean, people were just giving me a really hard time. And, uh, but, there were like i would find these scientific reports and journals and show them they actually do harm although i don't think you need that i mean you could just go and walk outside it's very obvious they're causing harm to people and especially children that was really hard for me because uh i'm feeling impaired so i learned how to speak by reading lips and so i really felt that the children who didn't have the nonverbal cues to be able to see you know, the facial expressions to learn by reading lips. Because even people who hear still develop, they still depend a lot on that for their development and for their clarity of speech to learn language and communication skills. So it was really, really difficult for me, a difficult time for me personally. But there was like verifiable evidence that it was doing harm. Oh, yeah. And they, even now they're, they're bringing it back and arguing that it's just fine. Though. So. I think you just made my point. Okay, look who's in power right now. Yeah. Joe Biden and the Democrats. Does anyone really believe that Donald Trump or the Republican Party is going to do the reinstate the stuff that the Democrats want to do, the harm that they yeah. want to inflict on us? I know. I, I don't think that. But I think and I, I understand the point you're making, which is kind of like if we have, you know, this, this binary option and it's what's, what's the best of the two? What's the. The, the lesser evil, but I'm concerned about the direction the country is going into the hole. And, uh, you know, as I said before, I think Trump does a lot of, there's a lot of great things he does do. Um, you know, I say does, I think continues to, he continues to be speaking out against a lot of things that are really plaguing, I think, the country. It's not just a, a left-right issue, because I really see it as, you know, there is a new world order, there is a... Uh, I call them the parasite class. So it's a, you know, a group of people who, there are many terms, the cabal, whatever you want to call them. But there's a group of people who really do want to create a neo-feudal system, yes. uh, but ultimately run by technocracy. 
you know, to put us in a transhuman leading to posthuman world. And when I say posthuman, I mean that literally there's actually a manual. It's called like a handbook on posthumanism. Um, so this is really where they see things going and they believe they will be the Gnostic gods. You know, they're going to replace, you've all know, we're already talked about this. We're going to replace the biblical God because the, and we're going to supersede him because biblical God can only create organic life and we're going to create inorganic life. So, you know, they're really, so I'm very concerned about, you know, ultimately in the short term, I think that Trump could possibly be a bulwark against some of the, you know, uh, you know, really speed ramp of uh, economic demise and some of the uh, complete crushing of some of our personal freedoms. I, I do think in the interim, but I, I do worry that some of the things that are put in place even under a Trump presidency, because Trump did push through Operation Work Speed, and we can argue that that was ignorant. Right. But where is it going now? Like that set of precedent, it potentially left us with lots of uh, lots of death, lots of like permanently injured people, and that will have an effect not just, of course, on the loved ones who are injured, um, but of course on the infrastructure of the economy, right? So if we're seeing uh, the adverse reactions now, what happens five, ten years from now if we see, you know, exponential death rate, that's going to take a toll. And it's also going to be a potential excuse, because never let a crisis go to waste, to, in, you know, institute all the uh, robots that they want to create, to chip people, to... I, so I, I'm just playing devil's advocate. It's not, it's not to be a Trump bathing session, just... Where are we going, and is that really going to be an answer? Yeah. Well, and think think about what you said, and then yeah. throw in the two little words: artificial intelligence. Right. Yeah. What thoughts? AI is here, and yeah, and it's not going away. I, I cannot confess to be an expert on it, yeah. but throw that one in there too, Corey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you look. I have this basic premise. I believe. Today's Democratic Party does not resemble my father's Democratic Party. Yeah. Heck, I can go back to Bill Clinton. Heck, we can go back to Barack Obama's first term. Does this Democratic Party even resemble what Barack Obama's first term looked like? And then the dialectical progresses left. <laughs> it, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, this party has moved so far to the left. And when people say, I don't recognize my own country anymore, look no further. 10,000 people a day coming across our southern border. 10,000. How do you comprehend that number? A day. Any day. Did you ever in your wildest dreams think that government supported mutilation of kids of kids under the age of 12 you're a kid under the age of 12 you know you don't know what day it is i mean and they're trying to tell you well if you feel this way you could be a woman even though you're a man or if you're a man you should be a woman i mean this is crazy stuff that they're that they're doing yeah and then the, the the topper of all of it think about this our ally israel 1,200 people murdered. I know the media tries to say, well, in the bigger context of a battle, no, no, no. Hamas militants 
disgusting human beings came across and murdered 1,200 Israelis. Now, what kind of reaction do we have in this country? We have college students supporting wanderers. We have three college professors, college, I mean, heads of colleges of three of our highest institutions for learning, not being able to clearly define a genocide. How in the world did you ever think you would believe that you would see college students supporting murderers? And when I hear this crap from the river to the sea, I'm saying, yeah, from the river to the sea, Israel will always be free. That's my view. That's complete hardwash. Well, I mean, I, you look at that and you start seeing what they're doing to kids. You're seeing leftist, radical leftist college students supporting Hamas. You're seeing 10,000 people a day come across our And I just want to make the distinction really quickly that if they're not supporting the Palestinian people, they're actually supporting Hamas. Exactly. I, I, and that needs to be made clear because people are arguing that, you know, this is, well, the Palestinian people are being, you know, uh, that they're being genocided. And whether that's true or not is actually kind of irrelevant because they're actually supporting Hamas. They which are, we, is a known terrorist organization. 80% of Palestinians support Hamas. So that answers your question right there. So, Courtney, you're right about that. And, you know, when you add up all this stuff, you say, how did we get to this point? Well, because we have Joe Biden as president. We have a democratically controlled Senate. Fortunately, very thin margin. We control the House. But, Courtney, if we didn't have the House, can you imagine the horrific legislation we would be facing? That's why, in my view, you know, Republicans don't do everything right. But folks, when you have the country clearly moving towards a socialistic society, we've got to stop it. And that's why I really believe, Courtney, this is the most important election in our history, which is why at my company, Conservative Broadcast Media and Journalism, yeah. we support conservatives. We're going to come December 27th. We're going to have a platform. I can't talk about it now, but it's your... You got me back on your show after yeah, the first definitely. year. I want to talk about, but we're going to have a platform for conservatives. I'm super excited. We definitely need to have some sort of, uh, we need free speech. I mean, that's really it, you know, on all sides. But it just seems that the, you know, anybody who is speaking out against the uh, left wing uh, mainstream narrative, uh, you know, I mean, so there's, there's on both sides being censored. It really just seems like truth. But we definitely, we need a voice for people who are well, giving light on the truth and who believe in restoring the founding principles of the United States of America. I think that's really under attack right now. And that my audience is probably getting sick of hearing me say it, but because I think it's being attacked on both sides. And I think there is active measures. This is just my personal opinion. It's speculation, but it's observation based on evidence. And I really think there are concerted active measures that are cognitive infiltration that are psyops targeting both sides to overthrow classical liberal tenets to overthrow the founding principles of the constitution uh, to overthrow the constitution ultimately and uh, you know one may be more appealing one narrative might be more appealing to the right but either way they end up in tyranny and i am very concerned about that as rightfully you should be i mean again did you ever in your wildest dreams think we would have the things happening in this country that we're seeing now? Yeah. It, and this doesn't go back a long ways, folks. This goes yeah. back really just in the last, you no, know, 8, 12 years we've seen this change. 
But you know what? That's why if we have a divided country, that's why we are going to have an election in 24. I really believe that. To okay. question. Yeah. <laughs> I firmly believe it's going to happen. And I believe all of us need to take personal responsibility. We have to support the candidates that believe in what this country was founded upon. You know, someone asked me what a conservative is. Yeah. Conservatives, they don't spend more than they take in. Oh, well, we sort of failed that one. We, you know, we, we try to have a country with legal immigration, not wide open borders. Right. You know, if you notice this too, these liberals go on these shows and, you know, Republicans don't criticize them. But every time Republicans say something, bah, they're, they're, they're mad and they're horrible. People. Well, and I think this is really goes to, there's a difference between classical liberals and conservatives, you know, but I think they tend to be more aligned than the, the people who are, are on the left. And the left, you know, of course, there's the, the repressive tolerance of oh. our Herbert Marcus say, right? Accept everything from the left, reject everything from the right. And the left has really adopted this. Oh. Whereas I think people on the right tend to be more of the Voltaire mindset that I may not like what you have to say, but I'll defend your right to say it. Because they know once free speech is gone, there's a reason we have a Second Amendment. It's to defend the first, you know? It's a, really so... And it's it just, it's so important to preserve the free will of humanity. And I think a lot of that comes from freedom of thought. And without freedom of speech, you know, you can say you have freedom of thought, but now with AI and with some of this uh, technology coming down the pike, you know, freedom of thought is really in danger to be. Scary thought, yeah. isn't it, Court? Yeah. Scary thought, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we can end on that. If you have anything else you want to add, I'd tell everybody where they can find you. And we will definitely do a part two when uh, you're launching. So, well, Conservative Broadcast Media and Journalism, CBMJ is our company. We just acquired American Media Periscope, ampnews.us, and come December 27th, not too far away, major announcement, a major platform opportunity for conservative podcasters, influencers, streamers, people that want to get their message out without being censored. We're going to have that solution for you, and that's going to be coming very soon and it will be a very patriotic theme i can't wait i can't wait i i think america is a you know it's far from perfect but there there's a reason the rest of the world is looking to america and i really think it's because it, it is the bulwark standing in the way of the people who want to erode the free will of humanity and i i use my beekeeper analogy it's incumbent upon the people of america to be the beekeepers and preserve free will. So I am so grateful for everything you're doing. And thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Courtney, thank you for having me on your show. It's a pleasure. And I look forward to coming back. Likewise. And thank you all for watching and listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.